It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to DraftKings Network. is the GM Shuffle. We are in a world today where we're one click away from self-proclaimed experts without any experience within the industry. If you think divergently from the self-proclaimed expert, you are the villain. But at least you know you're being honest about it. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefei. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and Visa. And I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Michael, we got a big podcast on deck for everybody. We'll just do the blue chips, red chips, offensive linemen. We'll get into that. We'll get into all the signings that we've seen. Anthony Richardson, now QB1. But we have to start with this Trey Lance situation. Apparently we got the football Twitter all in a tizzy, Michael. Uh, I thought what you said was pretty clear, but uh, with the quarterback instincts, people took it as you were taking a personal shot at Trey Lance. I mean, uh, Kyle Shanahan was even asked about this. Do we want to go ahead and uh, clear this up real quick? Because I thought it was pretty clear what you said, and you've said it in the past. I don't know why everybody kind of took it as a personal shot to Trey Lance. No, I've written it. If you read Gridiron Genius, which obviously the Twitter universe didn't, you know, I talk about, there's certain qualities that come from you just in, innately have. And I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why some players do and some players don't. I call it a crib thing. When your mama lifts you from the crib, you either have it or you don't. Running back instincts, you either do or you don't. You can't teach those things. What I'm trying to do is correlate to teaching. you know. And so I've written about this. It's a vernacular that we use in scouting. He's got great instincts. It's a natural instincts. How do you develop great instincts? How do you do that, right? How do you have great instincts? Some of them are just natural. If you asked Emmett Smith why he cut there, he can't tell you. If you ask Barry Sanders why he spin, 
He, nobody can tell you. If you ask Tom Brady, how does he gather all the intelligence when he's on the field and he comes to the sideline? He just knows. It's an instinct. It's, it was born into him. That's all I was trying to make the point to. And I've written about it. I've discussed it at length. You know, it's so interesting how people think I'm taking a personal shot at Trey Lance. I'm not. I'm evaluating him. Do you want me to say everything's good? Do you want me to say that he's just absolutely sensational, that I can't believe how talented this player is? I mean, come on. That's not who I am. That's not who I'll ever be. And that's not fair to the people that don't have an agenda to it. You know, so you have to speak the truth. I, I, I don't think that there's anything that you watch him and you say, wow, that guy's going to develop a quarterback. Now, the Twitter universe, you know, they can't see past. They still think he's going to be a great player. And that's great. Let them think that. Yeah, and it's something that we've talked about, like the quarterback instincts and all that stuff like that. We don't even need to really hash into that because I even said on the podcast, or it might have been on the Lombardi line, but I was like, it looked like he was dressed up playing quarterback for Halloween. Like, it, it, it doesn't look natural to him to play the position. Now, people might say that we're taking shot. I don't like whatever. Um, that's just kind of what it is what it is. But it, it obviously made its rounds around Twitter. Uh, so we pushed it out there. So we can't we can't even blame the aggregators. We went ahead and pushed the clip out there on Twitter because we thought it was an interesting clip and it was a true evaluation of what we saw in Trey Lance in that week one preseason game. And then it yeah. obviously went and, and, and spread like wildfire. But it spread to the point, the Michael. Person oh. had a, the only people that had a problem with how I described it, and I've written it in my book, and I've talked about it at, at length at nauseum on podcasts that I've done with Tate Frazier, I've talked about it with podcasts I've done with Adnan Verk, and I've talked about it with you. So it's just because it got attached to Trey Lance that it becomes, oh my gosh, you know, this is a problem. No, no, if you read anything that I've written, if you listen to any show that I've been on, I talk a lot about it. And I think there's just something that is an eight there. In fact, we wrote about it for the Daily Coach. Like when Bill Russell, was celebrating a birthday. His wife didn't know what to get him. And so she ended up buying him the LaSalle Explorer 56 college championship game against San Francisco. And when they turned the video on to celebrate the, his birthday by watching this, he knew every the instinctive nature of what he remembered and what he saw and how he was able to recite scouting reports. That's an instinctive thing. Not a lot of people can do that. And so you're either born with it or you're not. And that's the point I was trying to make. I, I, I was not taking anything other than evaluating the quarterback. And look, you know, Lance has got a full career. I mean, they even asked Kyle the question. Yeah. No, they asked. Yeah. Well, I want to get to that. But, but here's what I want to say to start, though, to start. before we get to the Shanahan soundbite, is that you talked about this when we were doing the NFL draft and talking about Bryce Young. You said, oh, this is a natural God-given quarterback. Like, like when his mom lifted him from the crib, he was meant to play quarterback, despite nobody his size, despite his height and weight and all that stuff. Yeah, nobody was offended when I said that. But, of course, if you say something bad about Trey Lance, the army comes out. I mean, the militia comes, you know. And, and <laughs> Man, he's trending on Twitter every day. <laughs> it's unbelievable. The guy's 50-1 to one to win MVP, and he's not even going to be the, the second-string quarterback. I mean, it's just people that just have an agenda and they can't see the other side. Like they just can't see the other side. Like we are in the industry to give commentary and you can take all the shots at me if you want. You know, the reason Lombardi's no longer a GM is because he doesn't know what he's doing. Okay, that's fine. I don't care about that. Read my yeah. book. You read anything that I write. And if you don't think I know something and you know way more than me, God bless you. That's great. I appreciate it. You know, but 
It, it, it is. Uh, you have to give out what you see. That's the problem we have in sports is we have too many people. I'll give you the perfect example. The other day I was watching the, the Raider game. Mm-hmm. And obviously with great interest because my two sons are coaches there. And when they went to halftime, Steve Mariucci, who's the nicest guy of all time, right? Steve's a wonderful human being. And Steve wasn't going to say a bad thing about Trey Lance. He was trying to be as positive in a negative environment as he could. And he went really easy on it. And Michael Robinson basically called him out and said, Steve, he was terrible. Like, we need more of that. We need more of honesty. It's not personal, Sonny. It's business. It's not personal to say something. I'm not attacking him or his family or his mom. I'm talking about him as a football player. It's not personal. You know, and, and, and sometimes it's, it's a sad commentary, but nobody wants to listen to the truth. Nobody wants to hear it. And, and I think that what Robinson did on NFL Network was the right thing. And Steve kind of knew it, too. Steve's like, you got, I got you. I got you. I was just trying to be diplomatic. Okay, you're trying to be diplomatic, but the reality of it is, is that doesn't help anybody. Doesn't help Trey Lance. It doesn't help the audience learn about the game. Yeah, and we always say one thing that we do is like we we try not to lie to the audience. We have to give the audience our honest opinions, and like just because it's an opinion, it doesn't mean that we're saying that this is factual. It's our opinions, but it's an opinion coming from an honest viewpoint, and that's all that we can do here as football commentators. But I want to do play this Shanahan clip because Shanahan was asked about this at the most recent 49ers press conference. Here's what he had to say. Coach, there's been a lot of negativity around Trey Lance in the national media recently. Yesterday, there was somebody coming out saying that Trey doesn't have the quarterback instinct. What do you have to say about that kind of comment? Uh, It just goes with the territory. I mean, it goes with it for quarterbacks. It goes with it for anybody who's a high draft pick, but especially a quarterback. Uh, You watch, and that's one of the tough things, I I think, for that position, but also for high draft picks. I mean, you watch receivers come in the league, and they have a few drops early in camp, and... um, there becomes a lot of pressure on them. People want to see those people take off and do it right away and have no flaws, and that's just part of it. Mm. So, so yeah, Kyle Shanahan just says it goes with the territory. Now, I think there were some 49ers fans out there that I was seeing on the timeline saying that why didn't Shanahan try to debunk the take that you had there about the QB instincts? Why didn't Shanahan say that this was BS and take a chance to go ahead and back Trey Lance? It, it, your response to that is what? Well, because he knows that what he watches is a guy that's having a hard time playing instinctively within the position. I mean, it's not it's not complex to see. It's really not. You know, it, it's about understanding how to play the game. And will he ever get there? In my experiences, it's hard to get there. It's hard to get there. You either have it or you kind of don't. And no matter what offense you run, you have to have that ability to do it. And so... I think Kyle was just being as diplomatic as he possibly could be without trying to hurt the hurt the kid or hurt anybody within his organization. But look, it, for, it's been three years now, and, and you've yet to see this player develop into what they hoped it was. And there's nothing wrong with it, right? Like, either he can or he can't. we got to stop making excuses, yeah. right? At some point, you have to have evaluation. And, you know, and these people that that think they know, they really have no clue at all. They have no clue at all. 
I mean, they wouldn't know what a good quarterback looked like or what one didn't. They don't understand the system or the offense or the reads or what's going on. I mean, if you don't understand what the quarterback's processing at the line before the snap, once he gets the ball and then what he's doing, it, it's hard to evaluate quarterbacks. But, you know, everybody's entitled to an opinion. I'm not saying it's an educated opinion. It's just they're entitled to it. Look, you know, we are in a world today where we're one click away from self-proclaimed experts. We are. Everybody's a self-proclaimed expert without any experience within the industry. And so if you think divergently from the self-proclaimed expert, you are the villain. That's fine. But at least you know you're being honest about it, you know? And I, I don't think Kyle wants to get down a road where he is talking about something that is not <laughs> So he's going to move on. I thought his other comment was, and, and unless it's a complete— Now, this had to destroy the Trey Lance fan base— Unless he had a huge meltdown talking about Brock Purdy, there's no way. I mean, he's already dismissed it. Yeah. I mean, Purdy's the week one starter. Like, like there's there's no competition for a QB1. Like, that's pre pretty well established throughout. I mean, not even throughout training camp. At the beginning of training camp, when they said that Purdy's going to be good to go and be able to participate, and he's been cleared from that elbow surgery. The, the competition is for that QB two spot, which that, I mean, if you just see that game last Saturday and, and I, and I want to give Lance a chance that maybe we see some progression throughout training camp there. Cause I think that's only fair, but if it looks anything like what we saw this past Sunday, like there's no way he's QB two. Like, like there's just no way that he's going to be the guy that's the QB two. I don't know what they're going to do with the reps coming up in this game against Denver either. That's that's Sam. It's going to be Sam Darnold. Yeah. You can say whatever you want. I mean, it's going to be Sam Darnold. I mean, that's the reality of it all. Well, and, and I think also, too, to kind of to, to put a wrap on this as well as like, I, I don't and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think we're saying that Trey Lance cannot get better. We're just saying that even with him getting better, it just doesn't look like he has a true feel well, for the position. I would say this, Femi, he hasn't gotten him better. I mean, it's been three years. You know, if you're really getting better, you walk into that first preseason game and you show you're really good. I mean, so at what point, how long are you going to wait? How long the Niners are not waiting. They didn't wait last year on the plane ride back from Houston. You know, once he played poorly, it's changed. They changed. They went back to something else. Yeah. They, they, like you said, they aborted mission there. And then the season was what it was, having three starting quarterbacks, and it led them to the NFC title game. So that's just another chapter in this Trey Lance saga with the 49ers. Who, long, who knows how long this thing goes? I mean, I asked you the question. About whether he is safe on the roster you said yes but if he puts together a couple more performances like sunday maybe that's not the case we'll get into some other news and notes the running backs on the other side it's the gm shuffle the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba with same game parlays live betting odds boosts and so much more don't miss out as the nba postseason winds down i mean these second round playoffs have been unreal and we have the conference finals now on the horizon make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears and if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out new customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly download the DraftKings sportsbook app now and use code shuffle that's code shuffle for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, the Dalvin Cook free agency tour is now over, Michael Lombardi. Dalvin Cook signing with the New York Jets, a one-year deal up to $8.6 million. He gets a base salary of $1.8 million, and the contract also includes $1.2 million in per-game active roster bonus, and then it has some other incentives that would allow him to get up to $8.6 million. But Dalvin Cook, after going on the tour to the Jets, to the Dolphins, where he's from, he ends up signing in the Meadowlands with Gang Green. It's a strange contract, though, Femi, because it doesn't have any signing bonus in it. His base salary is the minimum. And then they built in these roster bonuses, which I think four, almost $5 million is tied to him being the way they worded it, it. It's a little confusing to me because they worded it so that if he's not if he's on the PUP, if he fast passes, if he doesn't pass the physical if he's on IR or if he's on the 53, he's going to get those in-game rosters. And so that's $5 million, which they're not guaranteed. And then he's got another million of 50 where he's got to be on the 53 to get. So basically, this is a protected contract for the Jets. There might be something coming down the road that could create a problem, which the way they worded the contract, it makes you think there is, or the Jets know something that we don't know. It's a strange contract. He could earn $7 million this year, and then if he has an elite season, he could get to 8.6. So the contract makes it implies that there's something going on behind the scenes that we're not all privy to because the Jets obviously got a ton of protection in this contract and didn't give them a guaranteed, a guaranteed mm-hmm. sign-up bonus to start. No, and the, the, so I'm looking at the contract right now. We have it in the rundown that he would earn that $8.62 million if he had the 1,250 rushing yards, 1,500 total yards from scrimmage, and the Jets were to win the Super Bowl. And he also needs to be active every week of the regular season. So that's what it would require for him to get that $8.62 million there. But I, I think it's interesting the point that you brought up there about the, something else that's going on because I think we should peel back those layers as well. Yeah, well, I don't know what they are, and I don't want to be indict a player for something that I don't know what he did. But th- mm-hmm. this is a unique contract in terms of protection. You know, when Jimmy G wasn't going to get his signing bonus until he passed the physical, everybody was in complete outrage. How could they do this? Well, there's always me- mechanisms within a contract to protect the club. This contract has mechanisms in it to prevent only really when you boil it down is, does Cook get suspended? Mm-hmm. Is he going to get Spend it. I mean, that's the way the wording of the contract comes out. It's fairly clear that when you look at it, you know, the the 1.6 million that the agent put out there that he could earn up to eight six. That's so unlikely that he's going to earn that because it's tied to, yeah. to the Super Bowl, right? I mean, so so forget about that. So, but he can earn seven million. He can earn seven million, which is still more than Miles Sanders got, more than David Montgomery got. That being said, if he does, if he gets, there's a there's something going on behind the scenes here. I don't know what it is. I really don't. 
But there's some problem that the Jets know that could be coming down and the Jets sought for protection. And the agent knows because the agent agreed to this. The agent agreed to this deal the way they structured it. So whatever that is, and I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to be judgmental. It may be nothing. But this is really a strange contract to do because if it were nothing, why would they do it this way? I've never seen a guy get money for being on PUP. I've never seen a guy get money for being on IR. Those roster bonuses are always attached to being active. In this case, they're not. And because they're not, then you have to wonder, like, what is going on? It might be nothing. It just might be the way the Jets decided to work this contract out. You know, but you say, well, is it preventing them from his shoulder? No, it really isn't. Because if he's on PUP and he doesn't pass the physical, he's going to still get his money. So the thing that's out there, and obviously this is alleged, we're not uh, accusing anybody of anything. This is obviously alleged and it's reported out there, widely reported. So I feel like we can talk about it on the podcast, but Dalvin Cook is facing a domestic violence lawsuit. And the, 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 he was Robert Sala was asked at his press conference, like, hey, did you guys have any concerns about a potential suspension due to the domestic violence lawsuit? So that is what's out there. I haven't read the details on like what's been going out there and all that stuff. So that's a bad job by me not having that. But just it's all we're saying it's allegedly we're not accusing him of anything, but that's something that is being talked about with Dalvin Cook. And it's been talked about a few times over the course of this offseason. Well, it was beyond being talked about. It was put. It's basically they protected the Jets in the contract. I don't know what Sala's answer was about the suspension, but this contract said at, we, said at this moment we're not concerned is what he said. At this moment, yeah, that's a great answer. But they, but the contract allows for not at the moment. It allows for the future. Yep. Yep. Does that make sense? I mean, the contract the way they wrote at the moment he's not, but in the future they are. So we shall see and. I don't know what it all entails. I don't I don't know the case. I don't know any of that. I don't want to presume someone's guilty before they've had due process, but clearly the Jets protected themselves in case of anything catastrophic happening. Yeah. No, it yeah. definitely is a contract that is filled with protections and all that stuff. From the football side of it, does this contract indicate that Brees Hall is maybe further along in the rehab process than we all thought? Well, I mean, I just want to finish one thing. I think we're, we're okay, having sorry. a, a okay, time delay. I think the, the one thing that's pretty clear is if he gets hurt week one and he's not and there's no off the field incidences, he'll earn basically five million, almost six million dollars. He'll lose those 53 game active rosters. So there's really no that the, he's going to get paid unless something happens off the field in terms of a judgment where the league office has to take action. So that's kind of a strange contract to do. Not You'll never, this is one of those rare ones where the club has full protection, not from injury, but from off the field. Yeah. And, and they've, they've, they've definitely protected themselves in the event that something bad were to come up here with Dalvin Cook. Once again, like we're not accusing anybody of anything. This is all alleged and all that stuff, but just something to keep in mind as to why the Jets structured the contract in the manner that they did. Um, I did want to ask you, though, about Brees Hall with this, because when you see Dalvin Cook get signed and you see the potential to earn that kind of money and the agreement from Dalvin Cook to go ahead and take this kind of a contract, do you believe that this means that he's going to be their RB1, their starting running back, and maybe Brees Hall is not as far along in the rehab process as we once thought? Yeah, I mean, well, look, they've, they put $1.6 into uh, 
into incentives which are not likely to be earned and probably almost impossible to earn. So for seven million, I think they probably feel like he's going to be the starter. You know, I mean, they they they're going to give him seven million. Now, none of it's, it, I mean, it's all will be guaranteed, assuming nothing happens off the field, and mm-hmm. and. He's got to be on those 53-game – I think there's like a million or something on those 53-game rosters. So, yeah, I think there's no question. None of the $7 million is tied to he's got to gain 1,000 yards or he's got to have X amount of play time. None of that. That's yeah. all just clean. But, mm-hmm. you know, to get that extra $1.6 he's got to have a hell of a year. I don't know why yeah. you would spend $7 million if you didn't think he was the guy. I mean, they paid him more money than, than most players have gotten. Yeah, especially this late in the offseason. I mean, we're not in the offseason. We're in the season now, um, yeah. being signed in August. And Sanders got 6-1. Montgomery got 6-1. I mean, Zeke, I think, got three. And then he's got a chance to earn a bunch of incentives. But mm-hmm. they paid They paid with a lot of protection. Well, let's get to Ezekiel Elliott, because Ezekiel Elliott has signed a one-year deal worth up to, once again, worth up to, Six million dollars. Those sticker shock things are just out there for the agents to go ahead and advertise. But it's a signing bonus of six hundred thousand dollars, base salary of one point five five million. He also gets fifty fifty thousand per game tied to being on the active roster. So Zeke has some chances to get some of those incentives and has stuff that's contractually with the with the statistics and all that stuff. Those incentives. But uh, Zeke Elliott, this is the thing that we've discussed for a few weeks now, maybe even a month now, about the potential fit with New England pairing him with Ramondre Stevenson in that backfield. Yeah, well, I think what what it gives them is it gives them a short yardage runner, a goal line runner. I mean, Zeke had 12 touchdowns. And it's funny, Stevenson and and Zeke both had the same agent. So you would think the agent wouldn't want Zeke to go to where he went. And I think, you know, I think they both get along and they both can kind of complement one another because Stevenson's a really good player. And, you know, he's going to he's going to get paid eventually, whether it's by New England or someone out there. Now, will he get paid 15 million a year? No, but but he's going to get paid. The running back market's not going to going to allow that. But I think what Zeke can give them is that that third and one, fourth and one, which is so important. I mean, you got to have a guy that can do it. I think we saw it with Williams in Detroit with 17 touchdowns last year. I just don't think Zeke is the same player that he once was when he was really good. And can they use him in the passing game? But, I, you know, I mean, it gives them a short yardage back, different than Pierre Strong, different than Kevin Harris. Yeah, it's. It, it looks strange to me. They were showing the clips of Ezekiel Elliott in that Patriots jersey. He switched his number back to the Ohio State number, that 15. And obviously, he spent his career with the Dallas Cowboys, me being a Cowboys fan. But uh, I'll miss Zeke. I know he, he kind of been declining and stuff like that. But I mean, he still he had a, an, an infectious energy and all this. I have Zeke as my phone background here on my phone. Like, like he's always been a guy that I've had. You know, it's, it's like I rooted for Zeke. It's him hurdling a Philadelphia Eagle. Cowboys going to hurdle the Eagles this year as a team perspective. But just from the player perspective, it, it's. It's interesting to see kind of Zeke now in that New England Patriots uniform. I was seeing Belichick talking about him, that they had got to get him involved with the terminology. Mac Jones was saying some of the same stuff there. But uh, it, it, to me, on the surface, looks like a pretty good fit there with what he can do from a pass pro standpoint. But as a Cowboys fan, I know, like, obviously Pollard, the, the Pollard era is here. But it's sad to see Zeke go. You know, he, he was one of the pillars of that team. They're one of the leaders of that locker room. But now he, uh, he starts a new chapter in New England. So. Yeah, well, I mean, look. You know, I think he'll be good. One thing about Zeke that you learn when you talk to people in Dallas is, you know, he's really attentive. He was really good with the two of the best leaders on the team were he and Dak Prescott. So it, it'll certainly be now he's got to get in shape and he's got to kind of get his legs back if he can. 
one thing we know about running backs that, you know, once they get to a certain age, they just that this is why the market hasn't been very uh, favorable towards them. I mean, once you get to a certain age in the marketplace, it's hard. I mean, it's really hard to go and move forward as you as you because the 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 wear and tear on your body because of the position is so damn hard. I mean, it just really makes it so yeah. difficult. So, you know, I, I think it'll be uh, I, I, I look, I think he'll play a role. He won't be the Zeke of old. We know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Zeke, in terms of the contract stuff, he forced his way to the front of the line there when he was in Dallas holding out and getting that big contract. That might be one of the last big contracts we see a running back sign. And he made more money than any back over the last, I think, five years. I mean, I think he earned over almost $50 million. I think McCaffrey has come close to him. But, I mean, Zeke did it. I mean, the Cowboys overpaid by – most by almost like 20 million compared to everybody else yeah shout out to zeke's agent i think he's still rep by rocky arsenal so uh that's shout out the to zeke's agent. yeah let's talk some blue chip red chips o-line on the other side this is the gm shuffle with michael lombardi It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's time to get into the nitty gritty. It's time to get into the trenches. Blue chip, red chip, offensive linemen. And we'll start with the offensive tackles, work our way to the middle. So your red chip offensive tackles, you have Jordan Mailata of the Eagles, Panay Sewell of the Lions, Christian Derisaw of the Vikings, Rashawn Slater of the Chargers, and Colton Miller for the Raiders. And the blue chip tackles, Trent Williams of the 49ers, Lane Johnson of the Eagles, Andrew Thomas of the New York Giants, Tristan Wirfs, who's now going from right tackle to left tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then Laramie Tunsil of the Houston Texans. And then at guard, red chip guards, Joel Batonio, Cleveland, Brandon Scherf, Jacksonville, Andres Pete of the Saints, Jonah Jackson of the Lions, Elijah Vera Tucker of the Jets, and then your blue chip guards, Michael Enwenu of the Patriots, Wyatt Teller, Cleveland, Quentin Nelson, Indianapolis, Chris Lindstrom with the Falcons, Zach Martin of the Dallas Cowboys, and then for the centers, red chip centers, Eric McCoy, New Orleans Saints, Ethan Posich of the Cleveland Browns, Frank Ragnow of the Detroit Lions, and then, of course, the three cream of the crop centers are Jason Kelsey with the Eagles, Creed Humphrey with the Kansas City Chiefs, and Tyler Lindenbaum the second-year player for the Baltimore Ravens. So a first-round pick that's looking to be pretty good out there for the A-plus drafters in Baltimore. Uh, But, Michael, those are your offensive linemen. Obviously, we can start with Zach Martin, who is now back at Cowboys camp. He finally signed his deal. I don't have to worry about this anymore, Michael. Uh, They they worked the deal out there for him. I haven't seen that contract yet, so I actually really can't wait to see what he actually was able to get out of the holdout. But they do need him. I mean, look, they have a really good line. One of the young players at tackle that I think can really be a legitimate tackle is Tyler Smith. I think he's really good. You know, they took a lot of crap for drafting him. Remember, he has too many holding pleas and all that. I thought he was really good. And I think he's their left tackle of the future. He can be really good. Uh, Smith is a good player, but like Ronnie Stanley and some of these other guys, they have a hard time staying healthy. 
So it's hard to put him in there. I mean, you could put Smith in for Colton Miller. I mean, Slater got hurt last year, but he's in there. But I think Slater will stay healthy. I thought Darashaw played really well. But more yeah. than anything, yeah. as we go over these names, I think the one thing about offensive line, it's really like a rock and roll band. I mean, you got to have the pieces in place and they've got to play together. And, you know, it's who has really more than who's the best tackle is whose line plays the best, right? I think that's the key. And, you know, in the next block, we'll rate the offensive lines around the league or we can do it later in this block. But to me, that's the key. The tackle position, like the Lions. I mean, the Lions have two guys in this category, right? They have Sewell at tackle, right? Uh, they have actually three and they have Ragnon and they have Jackson. You know, they're one of the top. That's why they're good. That's why they're good. And there's some teams that are still searching for their line. I mean, Cincinnati put a lot of money. They signed Orlando Brown. They've got, the, you know, they've got the kid from Dallas at right tackle. They got first yep, round Lyle pick. Jones. Yeah, well, I mean, Jonah's going to be the right tackle. They've put money into this line, but they haven't quite got there yet, right? Denver revamped their offensive line. It's it's hard to do. It's really hard. The Giants have revamped. I mean, Andre Andrew Thomas has come through for them. They got to get Evan Neal to play at a higher level, and then they're inside players. They draft the center, so they're trying. I mean, that's the hard part is to get not only to get five guys that play together, that they play effectively together, right? And you know, when you have that, all of a sudden you go on the road, you play better. I mean, you you really the road no longer becomes an obstacle when your offensive line is good. It really is. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Giants, they drafted John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. I mean, he, he was a really good player there at Minnesota. A lot of people liked him. So maybe he can help shore up that interior of that offensive line. But I, that, that point that you bring up about teams playing on the road is massive because uh, we saw, I don't know if you saw the most recent Hard Knocks episode, but uh, Robert Sala was talking about the Jets offensive line. And it was like, he was getting into them and he pretty much called them out in front of the entire team saying, hey, fellas, like we need you guys. It doesn't matter that we got this four-time MVP quarterback, offensive rookie of the year at wide receiver, all these skill position guys. If you guys don't block, it doesn't mean anything. And pretty right. much challenged those guys and said that we need you to play at a higher level because we had talked about how the Panthers kind of kicked their tail in the joint practices up front there. And according to some of the reports, it sounds like Tampa Bay's friend is also kicking their tail a little bit here this week. We'll see what that looks like in next week's Hard Knocks episode. But if that Jets offensive line doesn't play to the level that they need it to be, this whole thing falls apart. And that's the case for any team. If your line doesn't play well, you can't go anywhere. Well, it's hard for the quarterback. You know, he gets back there and he's getting the crap beat out of him, right? And so it's hard, you know, and you, you got to have time. You got, like, that's why the Browns are a good team. I mean, the Browns have one of the top two offensive lines in football. They got a really good line coach in Bill Callahan. You know, they've got, they got two good tackles. They put money into it. They get Teller from Buffalo kind of off the street. They make him a good player. Batono, Batonio, they drafted in the second round, you know, and they got, and they've got a lot of good players in the line. Same thing with same thing with Detroit. You know, Jonah Jackson, yeah. they draft. You know, and they got Sewell. They draft Ragnon. I mean, they got three really good players. You know, it's the same with the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys line has the chance to be really good because Tyler Smith should be a blue chip or a red chip guard. I didn't put him in there, but he mm -hmm. belongs in there. I gave it to Vera Tucker over him, but he belongs in there. He's that good. And if he's healthy and Smith stays healthy and Zach Martin stays healthy and Terrence Steele stays healthy, they're, they're really good up front, you know, and that's the key. Yeah. And then you get a team like Washington who's just trying to do it with a Band-Aid. You know, they're trying to fix it on the run, and it doesn't work. You, 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 as much as 
everybody wants you to draft receivers. If you can't block, I mean, think about this. The Lions have an explosive offense, right? Everybody loves the Lions offense. And how would you rate their receiver room? Yeah, One to 32, where would you rate their receiver room? Somewhere around the average range. I mean, I like Amon, St. Amon Ross St. Brown, but there's nobody really there good. that's scaring the hell out of you. He's not a number one receiver. He's a really good player. I want him on yeah, my team. But, not, but, I mean, they're they're going to be in the low teens, early 20s in terms of the room. But when the quarterback, and especially when you have Goff, the quarterback has time to throw the ball, all of a sudden the offense is much better, which is why when you have a really good offense, that's why Detroit's offensive line is in the, the – like, let's just go through that, right? Who are the best offensive lines? Well, I think it's pretty clear. I wrote about this for, for VEASAN yesterday – talking about I was talking about Anthony Richardson starting and but the, it kind of got me into the Eagle offense and the six back offense which I call which is really the single wing started by Pop Glenn Warner back at the Carlisle Indian School in 19 in the night in the low 1900s and you know and, and the Eagles success is really about the line I mean they draft Dillard to be the left tackle and Malata in the seventh round and Malata ends up being the better player right yep. they you know, and they put money in it. I'm one thing about Jeff Lurie. He was back back when I was there in 87. He was committed to offensive and defensive linemen. That's what his commitment was. That came from ownership down. And so, you know, and that's why they're so good on offense. I think Hertz is fabulous. But what makes this, this single wing offense go is their ability to block, their ability to go on the road and be able to handle really good defensive fronts. You know, so... When you're handicapping games during the season and you have a top line, you know, don't give three points because they're on the road. It does, just doesn't play up. That's why I like Cleveland to win the North. I mean, Cleveland takes this uh, Ethan Posick kid from LSU. I think he was drafted by the by Seattle. And Seattle. Seattle, Seattle couldn't get him to play. And he's on the street for most of his career. I mean, he's back and forth. I loved him in college. I, I loved him. In, I thought he was going to be a really good player. I could see what John... Uh, John Schneider saw him. I thought he was, I just kept waiting for him to become a good player and it never manifested itself. And then he goes to Cleveland and now he's, he's solidified their offensive line. And they're one of the, they're the second best offensive line in football. I mean, they're hard to, you know, and it's helped that they run play action, right? You know, this, the next, you know, it's Kansas city really good. Now they changed, they changed tackles. So we'll see how this is going to go. But Creed Humphrey, we put him in the t – he's really a good center. Trey Smith is good. Tooney I didn't have in my blue chip or red chip because I think Tooney's starting to slip a little bit. I don't think he's the same player. You know, I don't think he is the same player. So, you know, and then Detroit's the fourth best line in football. I don't think there's any question about that. The other line that you have to pay more attention to, but they run block, is the Falcons. You know, yeah. they Jake Matthews, they re-sign him. I would say they're the fifth best line. Khalid McCrary, they paid. Lindstrom they played, Drawman they drafted, Burjon they drafted. I mean, this is a good line. The line that I, I think you have to – it gets a lot of recognition for being a great line is Baltimore. But I'm not sold that that's going to happen because when you look at the line, Stanley doesn't play half the time, right? You know, yeah, he's he struggles to play. But they're really a run-blocking line. They run-block like crazy. Now, if they become more of a passing team, what's that going to look like? It's like San Francisco – when it's a drop-back pass game, all of a sudden, besides Trent Williams, all of a sudden San Francisco's offensive line looks very pedestrian, right? Same thing with Miami. Miami's offensive line, when it's an all when it, when they have to drop back pass and it's not RPOs, are not very good. So you got to take that into account. But those, to me, are the teams. That's why those teams have a chance to win any game they're in. 
This question might seem a little out of left field, but what do you make of the Houston Texans offensive line? Uh, obviously, Laramie Tunsil's a blue chip offensive tackle for you. Uh, Titus Howard, who's now he broke his hand, but it sounds like he might be good to go for the opener. Uh, but they drafted Kenyon Green in the first round there. A lot of people loved him. Uh, Juice Scruggs, I believe, was a second round pick for them at center. So it's a pretty young offensive line with a couple veterans mixed in. But is that a line that you think can maybe can this when we do this next year, this time next year, that maybe Houston is in this conversation of being one of the better lines? You know, it's interesting. They try to trade. They would, they would, you could have traded for Titus Howard this offseason. And I think once they got involved with him, once the new coaching staff got involved, they decided, no, we really like him. I mean, Shaq Mason's been a cap casualty for two years in a row, and they ended up making him one of the highest paid guards. I'm going to be really interested to see because on paper, what you said could prove to be true, right? I mean, I don't know how good Juice Shrugs will be. I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out of college, but they drafted him in the second round. Look, I think to me, this offensive line are like the draft, right? You can have different opinions of, of whether you like the guy or didn't like the guy, but when they play good and they come together, you'll see it pretty clearly. And I think that's something to look forward to with Houston. You know, I think Houston's bigger issue is they're going to be a, a, you know, can Stroud adapt to be an under center? I think he looked really uncomfortable in week one. It'd be interesting to see. It'd be interesting to see how he did against Miami too. Yeah, I think I think for CJ Stroud and for all these rookie quarterbacks, we'll get into one coming up in the next segment. Anthony Richardson becoming the Week One starter for Indianapolis. For all these guys, I think it's just seeing that progress. I, I think that's the like it's going to look a little rough around the like uh, maybe sometimes a lot rough around the edges. But if we're seeing the progress, maybe we're going in the right direction. But yeah, for CJ Stroud, I mean, this guy did he take an under center snap at Ohio State? Maybe twice. Like I, I don't remember him taking one. I mean, all he ever did was look at the sideline and and you know get the ball and shotgun which is college football. So let you got to have to give him some time to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he's got a solid line in front of him though. Uh, so at least uh, hopefully in, for his case, he's not going to be getting his, his head caved in because we've seen uh, a previous Houston Texans rookie quarterback going back to David Carr get sacked 70 plus times that year. And that can really wreck a guy in their confidence going forward. All right. We're going to take one last break on the other side. We'll get to some of the other news and notes, including Anthony Richardson, the week one starter in Indy. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, Michael, before we talk Anthony Richardson, week one starter for the Colts here, I'm looking at my odds board, and I have the NFL week one games up here, and we have seen a big move just about five minutes ago with the afternoon game Dolphins and the Chargers. The Los Angeles Chargers, Michael, in some spots, Circa being included where I'm usually sitting, have now moved to three-point favorites. So we've gone from two and a half to now three, which is as significant a move as you'll see in National Football League in terms of betting here. But uh, just real quick, what do you make of that here? We're now Chargers laying three at home against Tua, Mike McDaniel, and the Dolphins. You know, I think it's an interesting game when you break it down uh, in the sense that there's so much familiarity between the two staffs, right? Vic knows Staley really well. Staley knows mm -hmm. Vic, right? Staley, uh, Vic's done a great job against, uh, you know, Joystick. 
Kellen Moore at Dallas. Remember, he went in there with the Denver Broncos and shut them really down. So yeah, I try not to remember. You know, I, I don't know why the line is moving. I, I, I never do. I never understand why the line moves like this. But, it, you know, specifically to me, it, it's probably reflective of the confidence that San Diego, uh, excuse me, the, the, the Chargers have in terms of how they played them last year. It's the only thing I could think of. I mean, it, unless we're missing an injury, but this Miami offensive line is, you've got to be concerned about it. Or somebody's watching practice in Houston. And they're concerned about it. I mean, it's kind of funny. All, you know, the, the ticket count is split. In, in the board that I look at, the ticket count is split 50-50. The money is 99% on, on, on the Miami Dolphins, and yet the line's moving the other way. Hmm. That is, it's very interesting. And I, I thought we would get this move when we got the Ramsey news. I was like, cause it was sitting at two and a half. Then I was like, Oh, well Ramsey's out. And and it's hard for a line to go from two and a half to three. It has to be really significant, but Ramsey's a really impactful player. I mean, we did the blue chip red chip series. He's one of the blue chip corners and we know he's kind of, he was going to be that chess piece for Vic Fangio playing that star role. So I, I thought that we might get the move then it didn't happen, but maybe organically, People like the Chargers in this game, or like you mentioned, maybe they've seen something from Miami that they don't like, uh, especially on that offensive line there. So I just thought I'd point that out, which is interesting, because I know we have some some listeners that do dabble into the wagering here, but I thought it was just an interesting line move. What to make of it? I'm not sure what moved it, just like you, but uh, I, I am a little interested in Miami at getting a field goal maybe, but we'll, we'll see what happens. We still have a little bit of time to go until week Wait, number one. More interesting than anything, Femi, is take a guess what the most bet game is in week one right now, based on all the conglomerate of books all over. That I mean, my guess would be, huh? I, I would guess the opening night game, since that's the one that's the closest to here. So Lions Chiefs, that would be my guess. No, not even close. Not even well, close. What is it? There's two games that, are, that have had more action on them than, than that game, two. And there's actually three uh, that game's third, and then there's a fourth game. The number one, the most bet game is Houston Baltimore. Huh. And yeah, and and because I think a lot of this is the rookie quarterbacks are in there, right? Now the line yeah. hasn't moved, but mm. it, it's pretty clear that people, you know, think that the second most bet game is the Jacksonville Indianapolis game, and mm. that, Richardson's been announced. The fourth, the third best is the other one is is uh, Detroit, Kansas City, and the fourth one, which is interesting. And San Francisco on my sheet, it says two BD. There's only three teams that have two BD at quarterback. That's to be determined, right? Mm-hmm. Arizona, Tampa Bay, and San Francisco. Now, why would San Francisco be two BD? And one thing I know about this board that I look at is they're really good on when they put the quarterback in there, it's, you know, they, they usually don't mess around. So, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, maybe they're counting on Purdy to be unhealthy. I don't know, but a lot of people are playing Pittsburgh in that opener. A lot of people are playing Pittsburgh in that opener. Well, it's I'm seeing that right now, like even the, the, the Westgate Superbook here in Las Vegas has gone to Niners three point favorites, but even money. So the juice has changed. So if you want to get that plus three with Steelers, you have to pay a little bit extra. You got to pay the minus 120. So it clearly like the betting interest is in with Pittsburgh. And, and I see it like I'd, I'm interested in Pittsburgh in that game. It's Mike Tomlin at home underdog 
a lot of time to prepare, and we know that he gets his guys ready to go usually early on in the season. So that's an interesting game there. But, I mean, it looks like the threes might not hang around too long based on this 49ers quarterback situation. Um, real quick, last thing on this before we get to Richardson, uh, is there any chance that we see Darnold as the week one starter here? Like, like, like based I mean, on what you've been hearing on how guys have been performing? They practiced last week, and, you know, and he was against the Raiders, and, you know, they practiced like normal. And I think Kyle's comments about it would take an absolute miracle for him to, you know, I think we're pretty clear. They're counting on that. I don't know why this is 2BD on the board. I really don't understand it. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, Bryce Young is listed as the starter in Carolina. I mean, at, uh, Stroud's listed as the starter in Houston. So I don't know why San Francisco's 2BD. I, I kind of, they seem like there's always, they know more, but I don't know. Like Sam Howell's listed as the starter in, in, in Washington. Well, we know we don't know who the starter is in Tampa. We do not know who the starter is in Arizona. But other than that, we know everybody else. Yeah, no, that's, that's it's it's really interesting. Well, let's get to the game though, and the team that you talked about as the second most bet game. That's Jaguars and the Colts because the Colts named Anthony Richardson their Week One starter. We felt like this was coming uh, when they drafted him fourth overall. That hey, maybe that Minshew, if they have the camp battle. He knows the system. He has that edge, but maybe Richardson and what he's able to do on the field might vault him into that starting QB one role. Here's what Shane Steichen had to say. I want to play this clip first and we'll react to it on the other side, but here was Steichen with the reasoning as to why they go with Richardson to open up the season. Starting in OTAs, you know, getting him in here right after the draft and just his work habits and what, you know, what he was doing um, and the athletic ability he brings and the playmaking ability he brings and then going into training camp, just still continuing seeing that growth. Uh, and then, you know, getting them in that preseason game, starting them against, you know, a lot of the Buffalo starters. They got a really good defense. And uh, I thought he had great poise. Uh, I know we, we had the early interception, but to see him bounce back from that and make the throws that he did and the plays he made, uh, just excited about his future. You see the upside on film. It just jumps off the tape. And, you know, you watch the tape in the draft, and it's like, holy smokes, like, there ain't many guys that can do the things he's doing. So let's roll. Let's roll indeed. You recently wrote about Anthony Richardson for vcin.com in your most recent column. We encourage everybody to go ahead and read that as to why the Colts are starting Richardson. But for the folks that uh, might not read that and want to listen to your commentary on that here, uh, why do you think that this was the move that had to be made for Indianapolis? Well, it was the only move they could make, right? I mean, let, let's face it. I mean, you can't play run the six-back offense and go to and then run it with Gardner Minshew. You have to be more of a conventional RPO type scheme. And that really wasn't conducive for them scoring a lot of points. So they need for this guy to get himself these starts because he decided to come back in terms of his, his, you know, he could have gone to, you know, he could have gone back to Florida and, but instead of getting those Florida reps there, he's getting the reps here, you know? And so with his 22 game starts in college football, you got to make up, right? I mean, well, he didn't start 22 games. I mean, in 2020, he only threw three pass, two passes, you know, and then he started seven games in 21 and 12. So really, he's got 19 starts, basically, is what he has. And that's a hard thing. And uh, so you're going to have to catch up. But what I tried to write about was I just wanted to temper expectations because, you know, Josh Allen had 27 career starts at Wyoming. And, and these two players, to me, the more I watch Richardson in that first game, they're more similar than you might think. Mm. Big arm, hard to tackle, you know, got a lot of things going for them. But, you know, Allen started 11 games as a rookie. He had a 52% completion percentage. He threw 10 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. 
He fumbled eight times. He was sacked 28 times. You know, it, it took him a while to get it going. And then once they kind of got to the six-back offense with, with Josh Allen, I mean, they became a better team. This third year, he became a much better passer. He's more accurate. I just think it's going to take some time. And what I was trying to, to express about the Colts is their defense is going to have to really rise because it's, it's going to be a challenge to get this offense going consistently. And I think they are going to be a 50-minute team. I think the Colts will play people really close. You know, they won't do things to turn the ball over. They'll be very, I don't want to say conservative, but the six-back single-wing offense, if you study the single-wing and you go back to why would teams use the single-wing offense, right? What is the what is the reason teams want to use the single-wing, right? And, and a lot of it goes to, you know, it, it started with, with Pop Warner, right? It started there with him, and he developed it. Now, it, the quarterback didn't run. But what it does is it takes away the dropback pass game. You, through a lot of confusion and through different things, there's really no dropback. If you don't have a quarterback who can stand back there and wing it in terms of dropback action, I'm not talking about – I'm talking about just standing there. So it, it creates a lot of confusion, and it creates a lot of ways where the quarterback either runs it or he throws it. And so it's pretty simple. It's a pretty simple offense. And the reason it was so popular was because of how they did it. And then it got expanded once they started to throw the football. You know, because when Warner was running it, they had two running backs in the backfield. So I I think the offensive system for for Steichen is very simplistic. That's not a knock. That's just, you know, good teams are simplistic. Greatness is you repeat things over because you're good at doing it. But I think – That'll happen. And the more reps he gets, he'll get better as he goes on. Problem is, can the defense hold up? Yeah, no, I think they get Shaquille Leonard back in that defense who had been hurt like the last couple of years, it feels like. So maybe that could be a big boost for them. I did find it interesting because you quoted Richardson in the article there talking about why the Colts went with him. And he talked about how he was surprised to get the nod at QB when he said, quote, you work for it, but you didn't know when the timeline was going to be. I was just looking forward to week one and just being ready for the opportunity and getting thrown in the fire, hopefully. But then he told me and I'm like, wow, it really happened. So Richardson, I guess, even surprised himself that he's going to be the week one starter for the Colts. I'm excited to see him. Um, I mean, obviously, he has a lot on tape there. Like Shane Sykin said, that makes you go, wow, there's going to be some rough moments like we saw as well on the opening drive of the preseason. But there's some moments where it's like, like, holy crap, man, like only about three or four other guys can make that play. And and he's one of them. Right. And and look, you know, if, if it's not for the six back offense, I don't know if he could start. It's the perfect, it's how do players become really good? The system marries their strengths. And this system, this six-back single-wing offense does marry what Richardson can do. Because if this was just a straight drop-back game, that's not his skill. He needs to be out on the move. You need to use him as a threat and running back. What I think people misconstrued last year is everybody thinks that Jalen Hurts led led the team and, you know, was a rush. His rushing, he went up with 24 carries. His yards per attempt went way down. It's the threat of the run by the quarterback that makes the single wing go. It's that extra added dimension. Well, that does it for this edition of the podcast. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to you, Michael Lombardi. We apologize for any tech difficulties that might come through in the pod. We do blue chips, red chips, tight ends next episode. We'll see you then.